When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Sky U Podcast by the Daily Gopher. I'm Chris, go AU Fur. With me this week is Andy, Gopher Dial 5. Just chopping stuff over here. Chopping broccoli, chopping carrots, <laughs> chopping I'll just do the chopping. Chop, chop, chop. And Blake, Iowa Gopher. Better dead than red, baby. Oh, how wonderful. How wonderful it is to record a podcast after a win over Wisconsin. It is truly one of life's great pleasures, one to be savored and celebrated. Wait, 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 we we beat Wisconsin? That seems like three years ago by now. Well, you know, the entire college football world did implode in between the win and the podcast. Additionally, the world itself just drags on in some odd ways now, so I, I don't blame you for, for feeling like it was a while ago. But it was only last Saturday uh, that uh, the University of Minnesota defeated the most hated Wisconsin Badgers 23-13 to in a game where, admittedly, I had a wonderful time, although a portion of it is fuzzy, <laughs> to put it mildly. Also, let it be known, in I believe it was after the pick six, Andy in the Slack said something to, along the lines of game over. And I said, Chris, take away his phone now. I don't think you did. I, so I assume you were too inebriated at the time to have any. Well, yeah, my, my abilities to take away phones could have easily been redirected by him pointing and going, there's beer that way. And I would have, you know, proceeded to clomp off and go purchase some more. Um <laughs> Because uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I, yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna have to fact check that just to make sure because you know that that doesn't sound quite accurate to me. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> wait, 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 Are you are you trying to say that an irrationally out of the blue negative feeling in a rivalry game when something didn't go our way in, in the first quarter? Like in you? the first quarter, I would add, or, or a second quarter. Actually, no, would that have been the second quarter? Pick six. He's not. He's not allowed to get. He's not allowed to get negative in the first quarter. So yeah, because I did, it was pointed out after you said that that you did follow the first quarter rules because it was because the first quarter was only two possessions, so you did follow instructions. So I'll give you that. That's just uh for for those listening, that's our our running rule. Uh, Andy can't get negative in the first quarter. That's the rule. Um, to be fair, there is no one who can also be more effusive than Andy. Uh, it, it, but if you put a rivalry game out there and a pick six happens. Andy's going to be the first one to, to let him feel it. I chose to go with, I'm going to drink beer, even more beer at that point, so as not to feel it, just in case things went sideways. Uh, and then they didn't go sideways, so I decided to do a snow angel with no snow on the 50-yard line after we rushed the field. That was That's how I approached the situation. I'm just I glad, think it was a good I'm just decision. glad you weren't trampled. Well, 
I, you know, wisely made sure that there was room. It's, it's hard to be trampled when you have to make sure there is enough room for a six foot nine frame to lay down and wave your arms and legs, you know? That's a a lot point. of people have to leave the field before that's possible. I mean, more more honestly, he was taking people out, not necessarily people <laughs> taking them out. As he was doing the snow angel, people were just collapsing over, like tripping over his arms and legs, and no, I have I have a I have a, susp- I have a suspicion what Andy was witnessing was. Uh, we got separated getting onto the field. Now, obviously, Andy can keep track of where I am because I'm a giant. And uh, I think he probably saw me doing my best not to run people over, but also I'm a giant. And so I'm making my way towards the axe at you know the highest rate of speed possible to safely arrive there and touch it, which I did. Thank you. Uh, get to because I see I don't live in Minnesota, so when they won in 2018, there was no Chris gets to go over to wherever they were taking the photos and he gets to stand there and hold the axe and get cool photos taken. There's none of that. I don't get to do that. I don't live in Min- I don't live in Minneapolis. I don't live in Minnesota. So for me, getting to touch the axe is uh, I got to get my butt on the field, get over there before the players parade it back to the locker room, reach my giant hand out and smack that fucker. That's the only way that happens and. Chris of Saturday was very dedicated to that outcome. I'm not ashamed to say it. All right. I, 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 I haven't found the exact quote yet, but I may have to apologize to Blake for my, my slander because I am going through the game chat and Slack, and, yeah, I don't remember about 80% of the stuff I was writing in there at the time. So uh, I, I, may, I, may have, uh, I may have inebriated myself uh, quite well as well. I believe at one point too, I had to remind you that just because they don't score every drive doesn't mean Sanford, Mike Sanford is the worst uh, offensive coordinator in the country, even though we'll get into that later. But, uh, but yeah, you were, you, you were having some, uh, some emotions, I would say as a roller coaster for you, which is understandable. Well, and he's got family who are Wisconsin. So a holiday without a Minnesota win Andy has spent basically, and by family, I mean uh, 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 wife's family, you know, so he's had to spend a lot of holidays with in-laws who get to rib him about the outcome of the game. Like, much like you, see, I think, I think Wisconsin is to Andy as Iowa is to you, Blake. Blake. Yeah, exactly. I know what you mean. Your your responses to an Iowa loss are always going to be much stronger than pretty much any other loss we could possibly imagine. No, I would agree. So, it's you're both battling your your rivalry demons. You know, it's it's what happens when a border rival situation comes about, especially if you've lived in that other state or have family or in laws or friends from that other state. Uh, all my Wisconsin friends were rather quiet. Um, they didn't ignore me. They just, you know, were were very subdued. Similar to 2018 when we ran into them in the stadium uh, and Minnesota recovered a, a fumble and suddenly Andy and I bear-hugged four of them and we started jumping up and down and they stood very still and were trying to escape us quickly. Speaking of jumping up and down, were you guys there for when Jump Around came on? A hundred percent. I'll be honest. I was so laser focused on getting to the axe that I missed both that Jamie did the like the need everyone's attention, and the fact that it was jump around didn't really register until about halfway through the song because I was still laser focused on tracking where the axe was in the crowd and getting there. 
So I don't think I participated quite as much as others, but it, it is a quality troll job of the highest order. Well, I was jumping. I knew what was going on by that point. So yeah, no, I was. It was uh, yeah, a middle of in the middle of a massive hysteria. You know, it, it's it's kind of great when you you get a random text on the field, be like, um, "Is that Bean? Because there's Bean taking trying to take a selfie with the axe, apparently live on national TV." And uh, and and where am I? Is is in the mass of humanity there somewhere on un, un, unnoticed? But. Uh, yeah, no, it was uh, it was it was kind of crazy down there on the field. I'm not gonna lie, it was a, you know, we've we've done this now probably what five six times in the last seven or eight years, I guess. Uh, you know, so it's it's always it's always still fun to get down there. It's still it doesn't get old. That's for sure. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Well, first of all, uh, peek behind the curtain of the podcast. My nickname to some college friends is Bean. Uh, we, I'm not gonna tell the whole story. That's just the nickname. Uh, so he's referring to me. People could tell that when I was on TV, people could tell because I'm so much bigger than everybody else is. Uh, but yeah, I've really, really come around to like the don't have rules for field storming because joy is joy and we should all just experience it and enjoy it when it happens and not get too hung up on. Like, I, I know there were Ohio State fans who were like, well, you know, you're ranked pretty high. You shouldn't have gotten on the field, Michigan fans. No, they hadn't won in a decade. <laughs> Get on the field. Like, I don't care that we'd only won that we won the axe three years ago. We hadn't won at home since two thousand and three. Get on the field. Like experience joy. Experience catharsis. Don't limit yourself by arbitrary decisions set by people who don't want to have fun is how I've chosen to look at life. So students should rush when they feel like rushing. As an adult, I might be slightly more discerning. Uh, but, yeah, that la- that game right there, that was not a time for discernment. That was a time for hustling my butt onto the field. I, I will say props to the uh, the University of Minnesota uh, football staff who, who had the forethought to uh, make sure the axe was down in the end zone opposite the student section so that the players would get to it before the students would. <laughs> because that thing that thing might still be missing if uh, if they had decided to do it in the other end zone which incidentally would have gotten in the way of coach Fleck bringing it to Manny's for his birthday dinner on Sunday so 24 hours after winning the thing Fleck's like let's go to an early birthday dinner at Manny's uh or Heather had planned an early birthday dinner at Manny's. Regardless, they're going to Manny's, and they're just like, man, let's just you know bring a six-and-a-half-foot uh, chopping implement along with us so that the wait staff can take photos. Uh, it's a great move. I, I'm totally supportive of it, and it would have been completely obliterated had the students avoid, you know, kept it out of, out so, of uh, so the, the, to, the hands. To, to move on to that, here's a good question. Like, I mean, obviously they, they brought it. Do you think they actually like brought it and just like set it at the table with them, or did they... Do they go out to the car and get it, or like, or is there is there a behind the scenes gopher staffer who's like the white glove guy for the Stanley Cup, and it's his he's just like all right, bring it in, and then they bring it in, and then he takes it away. I'm, because I'm I can't imagine like they're sitting there for a two hour dinner, and there's three seats at the table. PJ Heather and the Axe is sitting at the table the entire time. I'm just pitching Paul Rovnak, the SID holding the Axe at dinner at a separate table from them the whole night. Love Paul. I just that that brings me a lot of humor. Just picturing him holding it the whole night. I well, I would say I don't think they left it in the car because you know, like 
Minneapolis is a perfectly safe city despite crazy people thinking otherwise. But you don't leave your valuables like an axe that is, you know, from forever ago in the car. So I assume it had to come in, but I agree. At the very least, maybe it got like laid over as whole, an entirely separate table. Like there were two tables being used by the Flex and one of them simply displayed the axe is how I want to envision it. Um, or, you know, they've coat checked it. That, that to me would be really funny if you hung a little coat check, check tag. I, I will say I don't necessarily think it was the dining room because you would have thought another picture with it would have leaked out. Like the only picture, oh, the that's, only pic- that's true. The only pictorial proof we have is the one with the wait staff, which I'm sure PJ or Heather sort of said, okay, fine, go ahead and let it out. We have not seen any other pictures from that night with the people in, in the picture with the axe. And I can't imagine that, you know, as, as much as everybody wants to let PJ and have a nice birthday dinner, I can't imagine somebody would not have snapped a picture of the axe. Yeah, that's that's a private room. So they had it leaned up against a wall. Okay, that makes sense. Um, I, I guess, you know, to talk about the game in a little more, uh, just focusing on the game itself a little bit more, I was extremely pleased with how well the Gophers played overall. This was by no means a perfect game. Um, I think the first drive is a really great example of that. You know, you drive down the field with, with, you know, relative ease, all things considered, and then you have three straight play calls in the red zone that, frankly, are slightly uh, baffling, um, not the best play calls of the drive, and you kick a field goal. And, you know, hey, you got points. You started out with points. That's great. But So it wasn't a perfect game by any means. But the Gophers, you know, forced uh, turnover. They executed um, play calling that was designed to exploit Wisconsin, both uh, following through with some of the leaking the tight end out after a block uh, that Nebraska used to great effect. Um, and in addition, um, uh, creating some uh, components, uh, some uh, game plan design to stymie some of the late blitzing that Nebraska used, or sorry, that Wisconsin used so effectively uh, in 2019 to beat the Gophers. So I was just really just happy and impressed uh, with with how that went. Um, how much does this game change the season? We talked a little bit about this, but and we, we felt like it really would. I mean, to me, it makes it a successful season. I, I really don't feel like spending a lot of time what-ifing this year. Um, there, it's certainly possible, but to me, it's, you know, if we want to play what-ifs, I think Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Purdue all have the ability to what-if their season into a pretty good season, like to a 10-2 and two, type season uh, or in the case of uh, I don't think Purdue can what if to an 11 and one but I think Wisconsin Iowa and Minnesota can all what if as high as high as 11 and one and when you have that many teams able to do it I just don't see the point I just go hey eight and four big win over a rival first time since 2003 at home against Wisconsin that's a great season nah, not a great but a really really good season to me uh, first of all, I just want to had tip me and Andy I went back and looked at our Staff predictions. He and I were the only ones that predicted eight, predicted an eight and four regular season. So, uh, big props to Andy and I. Clearly, the smartest two writers on the uh, Daily <clears throat> Gopher staff. Um, I just want to be clear. You also predicted a loss last week. I did, but I, I mean, I'm talking way back at the beginning of the season when none of us, when we're all in an even playing field here. So I'm just. Uh, 
let's focus on the here and now. Um, but I would say, um, does it? How does this impact the overall season? Well, I think you know, eight and four. We're not really in a position as a program to take that for granted. Um, eight and four. So, I mean, there's a reason that eight wins is a contract incentive for PJ with his new seven-year contract extension. Um, it just doesn't happen very often. And, and you know, they they have six in-conference wins. They've only done that twice since like 1972 and both of those seasons was was with fleck it was 2019 i think they had seven wins and this year they've got six so i mean that's under by no definition is that a bad or a failure of a season i think it's as you said a good season um some really puzzling losses like with to bowling green and illinois and you know the big what if game really for me is Iowa. Um, if they'd taken care of business then they, they largely outplayed Iowa. They won in the trenches on both sides of the ball, but really two explosive plays in the past game for Iowa were, were the difference in that game and PJ playing for field goals. So, but I think to split against Iowa Wisconsin, that, that counts for something to finish eight and four with six wins in conference tied for second in the big 10 West, you know, that's stuff that we just can't afford to take for granted at this point in the program. Um, so I think it's a good season. I think, there's definitely, I mean, there. I'm not going to dwell on it too much, but it, to me, it was a missed opportunity of a season. But like you said, that a lot of teams could say that. Wisconsin can say that. Purdue can say that. Iowa, I don't. I think they're pretty satisfied with how their season ended. Ten and two, I take that as well. Um, but yeah, but if I'm Iowa, if I'm Iowa, I'm pretty what ifing. Not in like a one or two play away kind of feeling, but just like, how is it we let ourselves get completely dominated by Wisconsin? You know, uh, should we have put, you know, made some quarterback changes earlier, stuff like that. Like the, I, the the Wisconsin game has got to stick out as a as a moment for them. I feel. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I'm not an Iowa fan, nor would I ever want to be. So I, I can't, you know, speak to their thinking or how they feel about the season. But um, but yeah, so as far as Minnesota's season is concerned, I think we're on the same page. Good season. I'm always going to celebrate a win over Wisconsin, and it obviously hasn't happened a lot in the past, you know, 15, 16 years. Um, We'll see what bowl game they end up in. I think it's, I think it's okay to be a little disappointed in the seat in the season. Somewhat like it was definitely a missed opportunity with how much senior leadership they have on defense, especially and that offensive line, which is pretty much all walking out the door at the end of the season. Um, yeah, there's just some disappointment there, but overall, it's hard to um, be unsatisfied with eight and four and six and three in conference and a win over Wisconsin. Andy, how much does being able to gloat at Christmas help? Well, I mean, that definitely helps. I mean, yeah, any anytime you end the year with a win over Wisconsin, I mean, one way or the other, it automatically makes the season better than it was originally going to be. Um, you know, like you said, I think there's plenty of room for what-ifs. Um, it'll come down on the line. It'll be a, a good season, not a great season. I do think one thing that could, you know, at least to the to the layman, potentially affect things, too, is, is what happens bowl-wise. Um, if Minnesota does leapfrog Wisconsin and somehow ends up back in the Outback Bowl playing on January 1st again, um, you know whether whether it really means anything or not. I think that, and to some people's eyes, will will make things a nicer season than if they end up in Nashville playing um, playing in the Music City Bowl. Um, and and to be brutally honest, it's not really up to them. We'll find out on Sunday exactly what the uh, what the bowl people in the Big Ten office thinks and how that all works out, but. Um, you know, I do think that that 
that could make a, a difference in in you know just the general over the top view of the season is is whether they get a New Year's Day bowl or whether they get and and you know with the way the the Big Ten bowl system's out, I mean the Music City Bowl isn't quite as as low on the pecking order as it was back in the Mason days, but there are enough uh, there are enough memories and enough intangibles that I think that might take things down a bit if we end up in Nashville. So we'll just have to wait and see. But, uh, you know, all in all, yeah, like you said, eight and four beating Wisconsin, having the ax back. Um, I mean, you can't, you can't downplay it too much. It's, 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 it's going to go down as, as a good season. We just hope that, you know, Minnesota continues on a trajectory where this is a, you know, this is a baseline or, or or floor season, and we continue to to try and get higher. Not a you know Mason special where we pop up to eight and four, nine and three every three years, and then we hover at that six and six, seven and five range once again. Yeah, I think one other factor that might improve the feeling of the season slightly, and I don't mean to to really belabor this too much because it involves what seems like a perfectly nice guy losing his job, but Mike Sanford Jr. not returning as the offensive coordinator is probably uh, kind of an early Christmas present to a lot of fans. Uh, his play calling just never really seemed to match what Minnesota was built to do. Um, it, he certainly ran ball control offense, and that is forever going to be a hallmark of P.J. Fleck unless he undergoes a real uh, renovation as a, as a head coach in terms of his approach to um, what he wants from his play caller. But at the same time, you know, it wasn't until um, Matt Simon started to kind of clearly have more of an influence. That was really for sure the Indiana and Wisconsin games from some of the post-game comments that Fleck was making. Um, and even perhaps the Iowa game, I'm not clear on that. Uh, it wasn't until then that you started to see some elements of the offense that were more geared to what, you know, the team did so well in 19, quicker passes, slants, um, you know, just really not relying so much on long developing play action passes, which just was not working. It just wasn't. And it put the Gophers in, in too many holes against teams that should have been more easily handled. So, um, I think the big question for me is, I'm not going to ask us to speculate who we think will be there, because if they go outside the, the current staff, we'll have no idea, because trying to name who he would hire is an impossibility. I guess, let's just say he assumes, uh, let's assume he hires within staff. Then we've really pretty much got uh, Matt Simon, and why am I blanking on QB, uh, the other, uh, the tight end coach? Clay Patterson. Clay Patterson, thank you. It, you know, Andy, if you had to choose between Simon or Patterson, assuming that you're going to assign a uh, lead role to one of them, then maybe maybe he makes some co-OCs. But if you had to choose, like the this is the guy who's got the the decide the, the the decision between the two, who do you think you want? Do you have a do you have a preference? You know, I guess I don't have a full preference. I mean, we've seen a little bit of what Simon can do, as we saw in the Outback Bowl win over or Auburn. So we know when, when given the right set of things, he can call a pretty good game. Um, you know, Clay Patterson, we haven't seen him do it at the Division One level, but back in the uh, the JUCO level, his some of his offenses were were ridiculously powerful. Um, you know, putting averaging like 40 points, 40, 50 points a game, things like that. So, you know, whether that would work in the Big Ten is 
remains to be seen. But I think either way, it would be nice to have both of them have some import in the offense and be able to to move things back. I mean, I think we've we've seen, um, you know, a, one of the messages that that's been leaking out it's that you know the the Simon and Fleck have been telling recruits that we want to get back to the uh, 2019 type offense. And frankly, I think you saw a lot of that in the game against Wisconsin. Um, we went back to the short passing routes with the run sort of as a as a second thought, but it's effective second thought, um, you know, as, as opposed to the run, 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 throw it deep as you can type of offense we saw earlier in the season. So, um, you know, I think, like I said, I, I'd probably be okay either way. Um, but uh, I'm assuming that probably Matt Simon's going to get the, the first crack at it. Blake, I've been, I, I've just, I haven't had a chance to talk to you about this in depth, but I just have an impression somehow that you'd be a Clay Patterson guy. Am I off base with that? Um, I mean, yeah, I like him. I'm intrigued by him. Um, just based on, as Andy alluded to, his track record, um, which is at the, admittedly at the community college and junior college levels. Um, so he hasn't been a coordinator at the Division One level, which is is a knock too. But that's also a knock against Matt Simon. Um, my my ideal setup would probably be. Um, Matt Simon, play calling, co-offensive coordinator, wide receivers coach, and then you elevate Clay Patterson to either co-offensive coordinator or passing game coordinator and quarterbacks coach, and then just bring in, you know, a good recruiter as the tight end coach. Um, but for, I think for Fleck, it really comes down to, do you want to retain Matt Simon or not? Do you believe him or not? Because if, if he passes him over at this time, I mean, it's pretty obvious Matt Simon has ambitions to be the guy, the play call, the offensive coordinator. And if your boss has passed you over twice for a promotion and given it to outside hires, that's going to tell you that that opportunity probably isn't going to be there. And he's, I'm sure he's going to have opportunities elsewhere if, if he doesn't get that job with Minnesota. So for me, I think it, it comes down to PJ asking, you know, how, how much does he believe in Simon? How valuable is he to his offensive staff? Um, so, it, cause if he wants to keep him, he's going to have to give him the job probably. Um, but I mean, I, I see both ways. I, I see, a lot of positives in Simon, a lot of positives in Patterson. I think those two might work well together, um, but also see the appeal of an outside hire as well. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see how um, Fleck approaches it. Um, I definitely think if I was going to put money on anybody, it'd be Matt Simon right now. Um, but I also don't think you bring in someone who, like Clay Patterson with his acumen and who was a, a head coach at junior college and bring him in to coach tight ends if you don't have um, – potential plans for him down the line to take on a bigger role within the offense. Um, so it'll be interesting to see uh, which direction PJ takes it. If Patterson does get promoted and you're looking for a, a good recruiting tight end coach, I, I know a guy who just lost his job last week who might be available. Oh, wow. Does he, is he big into Chile? Is he, you know, is he pretty tremendous uh, recruiter and tight ends coach, would you say? I mean that's that, that's that's what that, I've heard. That, those that's those are the rumors, street. at least. You know, I can't I can't vouch for any of it, but uh, you know, uh, he, he does like to walk around with the big axe on his back. Is is the other thing I've heard. So uh, actually, 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 I think he would if he would he would help the team by crawling it back while everyone else is celebrating. He'd take his time crawling it back into the locker room. I just I just want someone who's real and someone who's raw. You know, real raw. That's going to be a deep poll for a lot of people. Not people. Not people are going to are going to understand that, but hopefully the majority of our listeners understand that reference. All right. Um, other important news: uh, Tanner Morgan, Muhammad Ibrahim, both uh, electing to come back. Um, 
you know, so two key components of the offense. My personal opinion on this season was Tanner, Tanner has suffered because of the play calling. Um, I, I mean, there are definitely things that Tanner, you could look at and go, he's not executing as well. But I think execution is a, is a function of the system that's put around you. And I personally believe that if uh, whoever the new play caller is focuses on an offense that suits Tanner and suits the skill position players that Minnesota has on roster, um, you'll see a better version of Tanner. You might not see 2019 Tanner. I think 2019 Tanner was also obviously benefiting from two NFL wide receivers, but uh, and frankly two of the best receivers we've ever had in Minnesota. But um, that said, I, I think you know you're in a position to get a much better Tanner with a with a new play caller, assuming the play caller plays to the strengths of the team. So for me, I, I I'm I'm not I'm I'm positive. I mean, Muhammad Ibrahim, obviously excited to have him back, excited to have him paired up with the rest of the stable of running backs that has continued to deliver in his absence. Um, but for me, I'm still optimistic for Tanner. I think he could have a good six year. I mean, we, we've seen. I definitely have seen the mix of reactions um, with that news. I think we all could have predicted it um, before we even heard that Tanner is coming back. Um, and I, I understand the appeal of the backup quarterback. Um, you know, Fleck has brought in five or six quarterbacks over the last five years, and it's tough when you only get to see them see the same one for three plus years. Um, to the frustration of our fellow podcasters, Street, you know, Fleck very rarely plays any of them in the fourth quarter of games that, for all intents and purposes, are effectively over. Um, people want to know what they have and not knowing can be very frustrating. Um, but in my opinion, Fleck is the opposite of your average fan. Um, you know, if the backup quarterback is the average fan's favorite player, the starting quarterback is Fleck's favorite. You know, we've talked ad nauseum on this podcast about how risk averse PJ Fleck is. And I think that also applies to his personnel. Uh, he trusts experience. I mean, he was giving Mo Ibrahim 30 or 40 carries a game. And people assumed that was because no one behind him on the depth chart was any good. And lo and behold, we kind of find out this season that the Gophers are loaded at running back. Um, so I'm sure there are people who are going to make the case that bringing Tanner back for a sixth year, and to be clear, Fleck wants him back. If he didn't want Tanner back, he wouldn't be coming back. Um, but that bringing Tanner back for a sixth year is an indictment of the team's quarterback development, and I don't know that that's necessarily true. Because um, if, we've, if we've learned anything this season, it's that Fleck believes Tanner is the quarterback on this roster who gives this team the best chance to win. Um, he knows what he can do. He's seen it, and he trusts him. And I think if, if given the choice between Tanner and a Zach Anikset or a Cole Kramer or even an Athen uh, Kalik Manis, he's going to choose Tanner every time for better or for worse because of what he's done on the field the last three and a half years. And that may be the boring choice to most people, but the most exciting choice isn't always the right one. Um, and to the people who think it's an issue of Fleck being too loyal, you know, look at Rob Smith, look at Mike Samford. Um, you know, Fleck is capable of recognizing that something isn't working and he can make that difficult business decision that requires a personal sacrifice. Yeah, I think just to lead back to, to Samford for a second, I was actually really pleased um, with how he handled it. I mean, look, I was as frustrated as anybody. I would not have been mad had he released Sanford during the season. I also don't think it's... People, you know, there are people who are saying, "Well, he got rid of Rob Smith in the season. Why wouldn't he do it here?" Frankly, it's not a comparison that makes any sense to me. Rob Smith's defense was getting torched every week by really bad teams sometimes, and not sort of beaten, soundly beaten. Players completely in the wrong position beaten uh, as a defense. 
Whereas if you look at the Mike Sanford offense, like they put up points. I mean, that was a really annoying thing that Flex said like two weeks ago. Well, look at how many games we've scored over 30. But he's also not wrong. It's true. It's just that at the time, I think we were so frustrated that we looked at it and goes, does he not see the other things? Well, no, actually, he did see the other things. That's why Matt Simon took a bigger role. Uh, and that's why Mike Sanford is no longer here. It's just he didn't see the need to completely upend things midseason when, as a general rule, that it wasn't that it was broken, the offense just wasn't fully effective, wasn't taking advantage of all the opportunities. Um, and, and I think you're right. If there were, if he had any similar concerns about Tanner, he'd make the change. Um, and and obviously, he doesn't have those. Concerns. I want to touch on something you alluded to. Just for those of the listeners who don't follow the team as much as we do, you you alluded to Simon being more involved in the past couple of games, and the reason that. We think that now in hindsight was, I think it was after the Iowa game that I first heard in a post game Fleck refer to like Mike, Matt and Mike um, in regards to like the offensive game plan. He just made a pointed reference to say like Matt and Mike. Previously this season, you were talking about just Mike Sanford individually. Um, but for those last three games, it was pretty consistent. He mentioned it after the Iowa game. He mentioned Mike and Matt after the Indiana game. Um, and at the time, I, I kind of, the way I interpreted it at the time, not knowing perhaps what was going on behind the scenes was him trying to take some heat off of Sanford by saying, Hey, there's two guys doing this job. Um, so that's not on one guy, but perhaps it was just about giving more credit to Matt who had taken you know, more of a uh, more significant role in the game planning and the in-game decisions. So um, again, we're sort of, the, that's the sort of speculation on our part, but it was a very noticeable change um, in the way he was referring to, um, Mike and Matt post game press conferences. So, um, yeah, just wanted to el- elucidate that a little bit more for our listeners. A little context. Context goes a long way. Andy, any real thoughts on the the Tanner return situation? How 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 you're feeling about it? Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel a lot better about it with with Sanford not coming back. Uh, I mean, um, only time will tell whether whether what what. Tanner will get next year, whether it be 2019 Tanner, uh, 2021 Tanner, or, or, or you know somewhere in the middle. I, I would expect it'll probably be somewhere in the middle, but that might be good enough for the Gophers to have another really good season. So, um, you know, I think he's he still has he has talent, and I think he you know would is much better at that short rhythmic rhythmic. Take your time. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll spit it out somehow. But yes, that type of passing offense. Um, and I think Simon knows that. So if he's the guy, I think you will see the offense, you know, more engineered around putting Tanner in, in his best chance to have success. So, um, but yeah, like I said, you know, I, I, I do think, as we said, it'll be interesting to see. I mean, eventually we're going to have to play another quarterback, whether it's next season whether it's 2023 and it would be really nice to get somebody a little bit of playing time other than just handing the ball off in the fourth quarter of a blowout because um as you said you know pj fleck does seem to like loyalty does seem to like uh you know veteran presence um but you know best case scenario you're you're putting in a cole kramer who's got limited snap experience in 2023 and you may be playing you know whether it be uh, Ethan or or 
Jacob Knuth, who's due to sign here in a week or two, if he you know impresses in camp, um, one of those guys is is going to potentially earn the job in 2023, and uh, there may be some strong growing pains, especially if you look at the Gophers' uh, schedule, assuming it stays like it is in 2023. Uh, it takes a step up in uh, in toughness, that's for sure. So um, I think next year will be pivotal in more ways than one in trying to at least figure out a way to get another quarterback on the roster some experience down the stretch. Well, I don't want to spend too much time on this next topic because I think Blake uh, really wrote uh, the definitive article on it uh, on the blog. You should check it out. Jerry Kill is now the head coach of New Mexico State, which means Jerry Kill and uh, the New Mexico State Aggies will be in TC, uh, sorry, Huntington Bank Stadium uh, to open the season next fall. Uh, and all I really have to say about that is, Jerry Kill, I would love to welcome you back with open arms, but you've been a complete asshat. And uh, I will simply smirk at you and shake my head uh, because you really have no ability for self-reflection. Um, if you under- want to understand better why I feel that way, uh, again, Blake's article uh, on the dailygopher.com uh, will uh, really, I think, flesh it out for you. Um, you know, best best to Jerry, uh, but no, he needs to walk out of Minnesota with a loss and then go, you know, not be somebody I think about anymore. I hope Minnesota. I just hope Minnesota to hang sixty on him next September. I was going to say, I, I would be okay with New Mexico State and Jerry Kill, you know, figuring things out by week four when they have to go into Camp Randall. But, you know, not not week two. <laughs> yeah, finally get a win over Wisconsin. Go do it, Jerry. The Sky U Podcast is proud to be sponsored by Homefield Apparel, the good brand. You've heard us talk before about how excited we were to get them as a sponsor, and we continue to be excited because as fall approaches, they have restocked their crew neck and hoodie sweatshirts. There's a Sweet Script uh, Minnesota sweatshirt out there right now waiting for you to pick one up. If you have not already shopped for the first time at Homefield Apparel, make sure to go to homefieldapparel.com and use code DAILYGOPHER at checkout for 15% off your order. It's not just uh, Minnesota gear. There are sweet stickers from all sorts of historic logos across NCAA. Uh, I have a Tulane Green Wave sticker that I've had my eye on that i got to go pick up. Uh, whatever it is, make sure to get over to homefieldapparel.com, find it for yourself, feel good in it, look good in it, and enjoy every moment with your new gear. That's homefieldapparel.com, code DAILYGOPHER. All right, uh, volleyball. Volleyball got a uh, 12 seed in the NCAA tournament, which means they host uh, the first two games. Assuming they win the first game, they get to host the second game. Uh, well, I guess they're technically hosting it either way, but um, you know it'll pl- actually benefit them to host the opening round of the NCAA tournament. Andy, what's your kind of take on how the Gophers got, uh, what, what, what kind of draw they got, and uh, how you feel about them getting outside of Minneapolis to continue on in the NCAA Yeah, the Gophers uh, did get a 12 seed, which is, I think, their lowest seed they've gotten in the NCAA tournament in about 
seven or eight years, um, not including 2015 when they didn't even make the thing completely. But uh, they did sneak into the top 16. They got a big road win at Penn State last week, which probably iced it. Um, so they do get to host the first two uh, first two rounds. Uh, they will open up play Friday night against Summit League champion South Dakota, um, which South Dakota is a decent team. The one thing they'll have to watch out for is, is obviously, as, as Minnesota teams, one playing teams from the Dakotas have learned, um, it will be their Super Bowl. Um, and, and they do have a really good player. Uh, Elizabeth Junkie is a, a junior on South Dakota's team. She's a Lakeville native, was actually Minnesota's Miss Volleyball in, in 2018, I think, or 2019. Um, went to South Dakota when she could have gone a lot of other places, um, and she's pretty much dominated that conference. So they'll have to they'll have to deal with her Friday night, but they should have enough talent to do that. Um, and then Saturday will be interesting. They will, uh, in theory, face the winner of Iowa State and Stanford, um, both teams the Gophers have beaten this season. Uh, they beat Stanford 3-1 out at the Big Ten Pac-12 Challenge out in Eugene, Oregon earlier in the year, um, and they swept Iowa State at home um, in the Diet Coke Classic the week after that. So uh, I think the Gophers would prefer to see Iowa State, but they probably will see Stanford. Um, Stanford is one of those teams that, especially in NCAA tournament play, has been sort of the Gophers' kryptonite. Um, but they they finally are without all-world player Katie Plummer, who who finally graduated and moved on. Um, so hopefully the Cardinal won't be that tough a task. Um, but yeah, assuming Minnesota can get through the weekend, then uh, all bets are off. Uh, in theory, if all the top seeds advance, they'd be headed to Madison the following weekend, uh, where they would deal with the five-seed Baylor, who uh, beat the Gophers fairly soundly at the PAV 3-1. Uh, in one of the first couple matches of the year, actually, sorry, it wasn't. It was the first match of the year. It was in Madison, actually. I forgot at the uh, at the Big Twelve, uh, Big Ten champion or matchup to start the season. Um, and again, assuming they would get by Baylor, which would be arguably a big surprise, um, they would either get UCLA or Wisconsin uh, in the Elite Eight for a trip to the to the Final Four. Um, so yeah, Minnesota. I think they still have a fairly good chance to get back to the Sweet 16, but it's going to be one tough road once they presumably get to Madison uh, to to get out of Madison and, and move on to Columbus to the to the Final Four. So um, you know the Gophers have have alternated uh, you know Final Four seasons and and getting knocked out in the round of 16 the last couple of years. Um, in, if you follow that pattern, it should be a Final Four year, but uh, it, it it'll take some amazing play uh, from Stephanie Samity, who got named the uh, Big Ten Player of the Year for the second consecutive season uh, earlier Wednesday afternoon. Um, she becomes the first ever gopher to win the award twice. Um, so congrats to her, and I think she still has a fairly good shot at National Player of the Year. Uh, the problem with that is is a lot of the uh, voters don't have to vote until the week of the, the Final Four, so uh, if the Gophers get knocked out in the in early in the tournament, it probably will hurt Samity's chances of winning National Player of the Year. But uh, we can hope that uh, they look at what she's done over the last uh, couple of years and, and decide to honor her either way. Well, I'm really, really hoping for a, a strong run from the Gophers, uh, obviously because I'm a Gophers fan, but also because the Final Four is in Columbus and I could actually go cover it, and that would be cool. So uh, do it for me, Gophers. Uh, clearly, that is the most important reason. Uh, hockey, um, men, 
somehow completely shook off the the Friday night uh, you know craziness funk that they've that they've had uh, and went out and culvered uh, UND up in North Dakota. Yeah, they uh, they flip flopped their weekend. The last few weekends they've been playing awful on Friday and great on Saturday. And this weekend they went out and played great Friday night, getting a five one win uh, up in North Dakota. Uh, and then they came back and uh, sort of stunk up the place. They only lost three two on Saturday, but for the first fifty four minutes of the game or so, it was all Fighting Hawks. Uh, the Gophers weren't really in the game at all. Got a couple of late ones to. Uh, to try and get back into it, but uh, it, it wasn't quite the uh, the same effort they had Friday night. So uh, another split. The Gophers have split their last four weekends, um, and they'll get another ridiculously tough matchup this weekend as they head to Ann Arbor to finish the 2021 portion of the schedule, uh, take on the Wolverines. Michigan is in first place in the Big Ten right now. Uh, the Gophers are in, in second, I believe. Um, you know, Michigan's got some amazing talent. They've really looked good, but uh, I think Minnesota would be pretty happy if they could come away with a, a, another split to close out the year. Um, you know, a sweep would be amazing in 2021 on a high note, but uh, I, I don't think anybody's really expecting that out of the Gophers this weekend. So get a split on the road, uh, get some rest, and then come back and, and ready to do what you need to do in 2022. Uh, women, uh, you know, it's been certainly not uh, the most uh, impressive season so far. How are they? Yeah, sitting they right went now? down to the uh, Smashville tournament in Nashville over Thanksgiving weekend and, and got a split. Uh, they beat Merrimack in the first game on Friday night and then faced Colgate for the third time this season. Uh, up in Colgate a few weeks ago, the Gophers got a sweep. Unfortunately, they couldn't figure out how to put the puck in the net uh, on Saturday night. They lost two to one to the Raiders. Uh, their first non-conference loss since 2018, which is kind of impressive if you think about it. Yeah, I think it would be 20, 23 non-conference wins in a row. That streak now got snapped. Um, oh, by the way, uh, they get to go to number one Wisconsin this weekend. So uh, good luck, girls. Hopefully you can find a way to, to at least squeak out a point or two in Madison. But um, Wisconsin is is by far the uh, the best team in the nation, and so... <laughs> Anything the Gophers can do this weekend, other than get swept, would be a would be huge plus coming down the stretch. But uh, once again, uh, I don't think anybody would be shocked at all if the Badgers don't uh, get a get a relatively easy sweep over the Gophers this weekend and, and continue to take control of the WCHA. Well, yeah, that would be a nice uh, kind of reversal for the women to have uh, to have a, a weekend over over Wisconsin at Wisconsin. I, I agree with you. I'm not holding. Holding my breath, but uh, let's let's hope we've got some exciting uh, crow to eat uh, next week on the pod. Hey Blake, uh, you may have thought I'd forgotten again, but it's ask Blake a hockey question time. Uh, uh, as ready, ready as I'll ever be. What are the school colors of the University of North Dakota? Uh, isn't it like green and um, is it a is it dark color? I can't tell if it's like a dark blue or a black. Am I right? Okay. You, yeah. There's there's black. It's it's green, green white, and black. I couldn't I couldn't remember green, if it green. was like. A... I guess that's not. I get. Go ahead. I was just gonna say. I guess I realize it's not technically a hockey question as I ask it. It's kind of broader than that. But Andy, I need a ruling. Does that 
Is that am I allowed to settle for that? Is the hockey question, or do we? Have to I come think up with after else? forty-five minutes, that's an uh, that's an acceptable uh, <laughs> question to close out close out tonight, and uh, you know, and, and yeah, we'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you might notice uh, we have uh, conspicuously missed a sport. Uh, basketball. You might think, oh, they're just crazy and forgetful. No, that was intentional. Uh, we, we, you know, we just don't have our basketball people with us this week. And it was way more fun to talk about the Axe for a long time. So, basketball teams, we love you. Uh, but this is the week that uh, Street needed to be here and was unable. So, uh, we will get back to basketball. Um, in case that happens to be after some uncomfortable losses to Michigan Michigan State, let's simply say uh, your Minnesota Gophers men unexpectedly 6-0. and Good for you. The women, uh, what are they doing? They're playing right now. It's uh, Wednesday night. Uh, uh, they're are they down 10 to North Carolina in the uh, Women's Big Ten ACC Challenge. They... They looked good in the first quarter and then, you know, went 0 for 10 from behind the arc in the second quarter, and that that, that didn't go so well. So, um. Well, you know, Lindsay, just remind your team that uh, the men played like hot garbage against Pitt and still managed to come away with a, a last-second victory. It can be done. Uh, and let's get, a, let's get a Big Ten ACC week sweep for the men and the women. Uh, obviously, we do not have predictions this week. Uh, what can you do? Uh, but we will have plenty to talk about next week as the rest of the college football world possibly burns itself to the ground and we know Minnesota's bowl destination. Look forward to that on the next episode of the SkyU Podcast. In the meantime, go Gophers. SkyU Ma, row the boat. <laughs>